Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Welcome to Menlo Midweek, everyone. I'm Mark. And I'm Jessica. And we get to talk to Cheryl again today. We're so excited. Last week, your title was the queen of all things. What is your title this week? (laughs) Still standing. (laughs) (laughs) She's still here. She's still here. (laughs) Sometimes that's just the only goal for the week, right? Yeah. Yeah. You made it through two weeks in a row. Yeah. On top of everything else that you're doing. A few other things were going on. With fall labs, fall retreat. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what, all the things you do in your spare time. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to the Dodger Giants game oh, Friday night, fun. Uh, which was super fun because yeah. they won For you, by yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of runs mm-hmm. and really <sighs> just fun. after heartbreak. It was funny because the stadium was had to be at least 30% Dodger fans, if not 50%. Okay. Wow. You know, yeah. It was, I didn't feel afraid. I've been to Dodger Giants games at giants oracle park before where i felt afraid for my life and i didn't feel because i felt like my people were with me so do you go in full dodgers oh everything yeah i noticed Mm. and i actually did think about this as i was walking my friends and i were walking in i noticed uh, some dodger fans that had like on a black dodger hat with the la on it i've noticed a number of people more in kind of black dodger gear yeah and i have a black dodger hat that i had thought about wearing for that reason like just to kind of be a little covert but i don't know i i kind of felt like let's just do it i mean i'll say at this point as a giants fan we're kind of over it so I can see why there wasn't as many Giants fans there. It's like, well, they're going to beat us and we don't want to hear about it. So we're just not going to go. My friend Barry. <laughs> this is my mentality. <laughs> Call me a, a bandwagon fan. I don't care. My friend Barry is, has, it has become a Giants fan because living here. And he and his, I went with he and his wife. We know each other from Texas. And he wore a Dodger hat just to kind of out of respect for me. And I kind of <laughs> said to him, so nice. I said, dude, you can wear your Giants hat because in a few weeks you're going to pull out that Dodgers hat because the Giants yeah. ain't going to be around yeah. anymore. True story. Postseason. So football started. <laughs> and the 49ers did win now. this week. So that was great. That's great. Go Niners. I really wish I was a sports fan sometimes. In these moments I do. And every year I'm like, this is the year I'm going to watch more sports and be a sports you did, fan. I thought you were a basketball person. I'll watch it if it's on. Okay. I know, I'll go over and like watch playoffs and stuff, yeah. but I don't like follow up and like, sure. I pretend like I do with certain people because they expect me to because I played mm. basketball for a long time. Oh. And so they're like, oh, you should know. What do you think about this trade? I'm sorry, about- I judged you then because mm. I thought you play basketball, so you must be a fan. Yeah. And you played college volleyball, right? Or club? Yeah, I Something, played- some kind of- Basketball and volleyball in high school. And then I played, I was supposed to play basketball for Cal Poly for their men's team, but that ended up not happening. But still went to Cal Poly and then played on the men's club volleyball team there. Got it. Which is really fun. And then after college, played semi pro basketball in Japan for two seasons. There you go. Okay. So you like sports. You like to play them. You don't like to watch them. I feel like there's people, a lot of people in that category. We're back in the Get in the Game series, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, let's move forward. <laughs> Not enough. We're now in Colossians. This always That's happens. right. We are now in Colossians. Woo-hoo. Week two. 
Cheryl, can you give us a quick summary of your message? Yeah, it was fun this week to actually dive into the book of Colossians. And that's what <laughs> right. we're going to do is yeah. we're going to go um, passage by passage, which is really fun and a fun way to get to preach. And so we were in the first section of Colossians, and really the focus ended up being there are so many things we could have focused on in that mm -hmm. chapter. That's what's hard about, you know, preaching a 30-minute sermon. Right. Um, but really the focus was on grace, and uh, that's where I went. So There were three words you focused on, right? Mm. Grace, what were the other two? Yeah, faith, gospel, grace. And so at the beginning, mm. so basically Paul is writing to this new church. And so the, this section that we were in, which was... I think the first 16 verses or something like that, um, 13 verses, I guess. Anyway, Paul is, it's, he's setting up the letter. And he, as, as is typical to most letters in the New Testament, they're written in a little bit different style than how we would write a letter. You know, they start, instead of ending with who it's from, they start with who it's from, mm -hmm. they start, then goes to who it's to. Mm -hmm. And then usually there's some kind of, not always, but usually some kind of introductory remarks just about, like, in a sense, kind of how they know each other and mm. what they're excited about. And so Paul is writing to this church in Colossae, which we know from the letter um, that Paul had never met. Uh, they had come to faith uh, in Jesus through Epaphras, who was a co-laborer, co-worker with Paul. And he, Paul and Timothy, his disciple, had gotten word about their faith, and so he's sending them this letter of encouragement. And typically letters in the New Testament usually are addressing a problem, not always, but almost always, um, some kind of problem, something of concern. And they're also always written with the intent that they would be circulated. So anytime there's a New Testament letter, it was typically circulated to multiple churches in the area and but it's written to a particular church and again typically with some kind of um, encouragement some kind of admonition maybe some correction and so it seems to be there's a lot of debate on this but it seems to be that Paul is writing to this young church uh, about um, Jesus, basically, and the temptation to do kind of a Jesus and kind of faith, hmm. which is a temptation for all of us, right? We do a Jesus and five ways to have your best marriage, Jesus <laughs> and um, how to be a good parent, Jesus and, and, and not that those, those are important things, how to have a good marriage, how to be a good parent, how to you know, have a good life, all the kind of stuff, but there can be a temptation that the, the, that Jesus is a means to an end, and the end is your good marriage, or the end is good parenting, or the end is your, you know, whatever. And really, Paul's just kind of putting in, Jesus is the center Mm -hmm. uh, he's not just a means to an end. He is the end. He's the beginning. He's the middle, and he is the end. Now, it, life in Christ should form in us a life that looks like Christ, which means that we will 
would be moral people. We would have ethics. We would have purity and holiness and all those things. It doesn't mean that those things are ignored, but at the center of it all is Jesus. So I love the that centering that that Jesus is not the means to the end, but Jesus is the end. Mm-hmm. Like and everything else is tertiary mm-hmm. besides that. And the security that can be found in those other things, that security should be found in Jesus. Yeah. And I think even like the there's, you know, like why would I want to um be kind or why would I want to not lie or like why do I want morality in my life? Um, there can be one way of looking at that uh, that would be, well, I need to be those things so I can have God's favor, that I can go to heaven, that kind of thing, um, which is just very a very thin motivation. It just doesn't last very long. Uh, whereas what you see in the early church and in the letters of Paul and others in the New Testament is that the it's not a do these do these things to get God's favor. It's um, because you have his favor, because you long for him, because you've come to be enamored with him, because you see Jesus as really the ultimate picture of humanity. That, and we, you know, we had a series on being human, right? To be human is to look like Jesus. And so I, I want, I want to be a person of love and joy and peace and patience. I don't want to gossip. I don't want to slander somebody. I don't want to be hurtful in any way, not because I'm afraid of God, although there is a healthy fear of God and a sense of awe, but because um, I actually, I just, I, I love him. And I want to live my life in him. Again, coming back to that imagery from Colossians of a life hidden in Christ is a life that begins to look like Christ. And um, yeah, so it's just, and I did talk about this in my sermon. One of the first things I said was that the order is really important, right? Don't get the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of probably an anchoring theme as I put the sermon together was this idea of order um, so that you don't come into uh, reading, especially this first part of uh, Colossians with this sense of these are the things I have to do to get Christ, but because I've been gotten by Christ, these things will begin to be formed in me and I will desire them. Um, And Again, this is why I love preaching through a whole b- book, and um, I think Adam's got this one, but uh, when we get to chapter three, um, we'll talk about, again, order matters, but we're going to talk about, hey, you're hidden in Christ. This has happened to you. You've been seated with Christ. But then it's going to talk about, so take off, um, put to death those things in you that are from the dominion of darkness, which I talked about this week, mm-hmm. the things that are anger and hostility and slander and gossip and hurt uh, and immorality and sexual immorality and all kinds of things, take those, put those off, and then he'll say, now, but put on these things. Um, so anyway, that's getting ahead, but. 
but the order will matter throughout the entire book is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think for me, I always struggle with the the not, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, the not doing part. Like with the fruits of the spirit that mm. you're listing out. It's mm. like if you if you love Jesus and you know that he loves you and you're in him and he mm. is in you, then all of these other things will, you'll want those things, mm. you'll be those things mm. because of you're hidden in Christ. Mm. And I mean, maybe this is a society thing as well, but I'm always like, how do I get, how do I be more kind? Mm -hmm. How do I try harder to be patient? Mm -hmm. How do I, like all of these things and it's, I've learned like it's not even always about doing, mm -hmm. like strive, like, is this making sense? I think instead of just like asking God for those things, I always try to be those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think, and I think it is, and that this was the temptation when I was preparing the sermon, right? Is, I mean, I rewrote this like five times. Um, <laughs> and what's hard is you want to do all the whatabouts. Because one of the things right. when you do talk about grace is there can be a temptation on, on the extremes, right? One extreme is um, grace is a nice thing. It's what saves me, if you will. It's, mm -hmm. it's I, I come to faith in Christ by grace. I know that. But once I become a Christian, grace is out of the picture now. I got to start working harder. I got to try harder, right? Yeah. Um, and, or it's, you know, it's this, uh, no, grace is still there. Grace is everything, but, but it's a passivity around grace. It's a... Um, it's a sense that grace dismisses automatically uh, that you don't have to change. You don't have mm -hmm. to do anything. And I, I don't know who it is who probably coined this phrase, but um, the difference between training and trying. So I do think when we come to faith mm -hmm. in Christ, and this is, again, we'll see this show up in Colossians chapter 3, but there is an invitation to a training, if you will, mm. to enter into. That's why when we talk about the spiritual formation practices or creating habits that help transform us into the likeness and the image of Jesus, we train for that, just like we train in running, right? And uh, I did, I did a series of half marathons with some friends once, and the third half marathon, it was the the beach city, half, you know, half marathons in Southern California, the third one I really did not train for, right? Mm. So I still finished it, but it was way longer, way harder, and I walked most of it, mm. right? So training, because I had trained better for the first two, I still was slow, um, but it was, you know, it was easier when you've trained, yeah. right? And so that's been a helpful differentiation for me is I'm not trying harder to, and again, it's some of it's motivation. Some right. of it's why, right? I'm not trying harder to get God's favor. I'm training that I might look like God in Christ. Yeah. Right. So that's been helpful for me. I like that. That mm. feels like it makes it more, mm -hmm. it, I understand it better, I guess. Yeah. Well, you, it's 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 like if you've ever had a mentor or a friend or a somebody in your life that 
you want to be like them yeah right mm-hmm. and 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 i think that's that's the thing if 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 you don't continue to move towards jesus as he's moved already towards you mm-hmm. um then i don't know what your motivation is right uh to to want to be like him because then it just kind of can fall into the realm of religiosity that well i need to I need to be like Jesus because that's what religious people do. But, you know, it's interesting, Flannery O'Connor, who's the great Southern uh, author and short story writer, all of her short stories are just disruptive to the church because she really comes at religiosity. Like, you can, you can be far from God and be incredibly moral mm. for mm-hmm. all kinds of reasons that have nothing to do with actually a longing and a desire to look like Jesus because you've found Jesus to be beautiful. You found Jesus to um, be the one you want to be like. So, yeah. But I, I struggled as I prepared this because, um, again, you can misuse grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and think that it means complete passivity or it doesn't matter so yeah it's like you could like the the spectrum of it can be weaponized in a Mm -hmm. sense of you have to do you have to live to a certain standard or else or Mm -hmm. it can be well it covers everything so you don't even really have to change at all right but really it's that that middle part is what we're going for yeah well and i think again i think it's if you understand grace and if the more you understand it, the deeper you understand it and what it means, then you, you're, not, you're not abusing grace, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So. so now that you've preached it, is there anything looking back that you wish that you had said or mm-hmm. added or a story that you would wanted to tell? You know, it, I, I think for what I ultimately landed on, I, feel, I felt good about it because Basically, I had already I had written like four different sermons. Mm. Wow. You know, you can you can really only say one thing in a sermon mm-hmm. well, and ultimately, I felt like I needed to put on display grace and the fact that um, that when we come to faith in Christ, it's as what I believe, um, and there are different theological systems on this, but m- where I, what I believe is that to even be able to come to faith in Christ, God has done a work in us. That there is, um, you know, we can think of sin as just bad things we do, but I believe the scripture speaks of sin not just as bad things we do, but as a state that we're in. That Mm. in Genesis 3, when the fall occurred, you know, it's very interesting that, you know, the temptation of the the serpent wasn't, oh, you should, you know, go have sex with a different person, or (laughs) you should uh, lie, or you should do this. The temptation was, did God really say, Mm. right? The temptation was, do you have faith in the God who told you not to eat from this tree, this mm-hmm. one tree? You can eat all from all these others. The, the act of sin, as some theologians will say, was an act of unfaith. 
because what God had invited them into was faith in him to trust him. He said, don't eat that. He has good intended for you. And what the devil did was twist that around that surely he doesn't have good for you. Surely he doesn't. So really that initial act of sin was an act of unfaith, of not trusting God's goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what you see from there is chaos created on all things. The relationship between the man and the woman, the relationship between humans and the land, um, and work. Work was created as a really good thing. Now work is seen as a bad thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we still believe it is a good thing, but, um, but you know, there's a curse on the land and the work that they would do. Uh, and so there's just this disruption. There's this, this chaos. And as I understand sin, sin um, affects all things. And it affects our ability to not just like have wisdom or do right things. It just it, it even affects our ability to even have a relationship with God apart from God being gracious to pursue us. I don't know if any of that's making sense, but I think um, the point being that the way I look at it is that the gracious pursuit and work of God, and I think it shows up in this letter, I think it shows up in the scripture, is that God finds us so we can find him. God comes after us so that we can respond to him. That's why in 1 John 1, 12, you know, it talks about Jesus coming and they didn't recognize him as the author of John, not 1 John, sorry, John the Gospel, John chapter 1, uh, says that, you know, to, that they don't recognize him. Jesus comes, they don't recognize him, but those who do, and those who receive him are given the right to become children of God, mm. not born of human descent. And so the, it's a, it is a receiving, but it's a receiving of what has been done. So interesting. And that, again, there's, you know, there's debate, there's different sure. positions on this, but sure. that's how I, I see it, is that in, in a Calvinistic way, uh, when it that total depravity, if you will, that we are so depraved that we cannot choose towards God without God choosing towards us, mm-hmm. and then we get into all the predestination, predestination, <laughs> Arminianism, and yes, yeah, 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 lots of that. Yep. So when you say that you wrote four different oh, sermons, were they all centered around grace, or were they? In, oh. in different, you know, mm-hmm. different veins of thought on the same passage of scripture. Yeah, uh, they're, they were about this, um, about becoming Christians, if you will. So okay. I ended up weaving that in. They just had different emphasis, probably. I was spending a lot more time on the whole concept of becoming a Christian, being hmm. a Christian. The word Christian only throws shows up in the in the Bible three times. Um, 
And so I was going to work, one of my sermons was really more around that whole thing. And which you see the shadows of that in the sermon. I just, yeah, I just put much more emphasis on on that. And I had to take it out because I just didn't, didn't have time. <laughs> I could see how that could be a sermon in itself oh, or it a is. series in itself. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's so fascinating because the whole, the word Christian, which, you know, the early Christians, uh, they didn't call themselves that. Yeah. The language, and we've talked about this, the language of the scripture is in and with and by and through Christ, right? Uh, union with Christ was the understanding of their relationship with God now that Jesus had been resurrected and ascended to the Father. Um, and it was the out people, the non-Christians, who were calling them Christians because they jumped on, oh, you're trying to be little, you're trying to be little Christ's. You think you're little messiahs. You think you're little this. And they globbed onto that with, well, you know what? Actually, we do want to look like Christ, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Now, the broken part of that is many of us who follow Jesus have probably taken on some messiah complex, and that's not <laughs> what it's for. But yeah, so the word really was a mockery that then they embraced and said, yeah, we'll go with that. You can call us that. Mm -hmm. but, but you don't see it except for three times. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And one guy, it shows up with Agrippa, I think it's Agrippa, who says to Paul, um, are you, do you want me to be a Christian or something? And Paul's, after Paul's, you know, preached a sermon about the gospel. So right. it shows up in Acts. Wow. So. Nice. Well, sure. Yeah. That, that was week two. Yeah. Uh, what are your hopes now going forward? What are your hopes as people listen to this and really, would you encourage them to sit in grace this week mm -hmm. or? Yeah, two things. I hope people are using the resources that we've provided um, mm -hmm. at menlo.church slash Colossians. Uh, the worksheet this week is just a continued deeper dive into making observations in the book of Colossians. I just hope, and it, it became so clear even as I was preparing this sermon, you just can't say it all. And that's why Bible study is important. Because mm. if you're relying on just listening to a sermon that's 30 minutes a week or you know and to be honest even if mm -hmm. you're like listening to five sermons a week on all your podcasts and stuff someplace you've got to get yourself in the scripture yourself or mm -hmm. with a group of friends um so that you're parsing that out you're mm -hmm. taking a look at it you're going deeper so uh i i would really hope that People would be using those resources that'll walk them through the book of Colossians. I hope they use it in their group or with a group of friends. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, going forward, the next week uh, is Scott's, and I'm totally jealous, and I didn't want to give it to him. Because uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most beautiful passage of Colossians, Colossians uh, 1, uh, 15 to 20. I had to memorize it. Uh, when I first went on staff with Young Life, a mi mission organization I worked for. Um, but yes, yeah, beautiful passage that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Mm. And in him are all things, before him are all things. All things were created by him and for him. Um, so as we continue to just journey through this to see who Jesus is, because again, going back to if my desire for life change and transformation is only driven by some sense of religiosity and not grounded in the person of Jesus, mm -hmm. 
then then the problem with all of that is pride. And pride is at, at pretty core to sin, right? Um, that's why you can be really moral and do a lot of really self-righteous things, but not be in step with the Spirit, not be in the stream of Jesus, right? So, um, so I think this book's so important that we become enamored with Jesus, that we, we don't just uh, want to f- follow him and be like him. We find ourselves worshiping him that we can't help ourselves. And I don't know how you do that without being in the scripture. Um, I don't know how you do that without, because I, again, worship can be singing in a church, and I love that personally, uh, but but it, it's got to not just be an activity. It's something that just grabs us, and we find ourselves worshiping, which is an act of adoration and praise and need and dependence and surrender uh, that's 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 a beautiful thing that is is again a work of the spirit in us as we cooperate with the spirit well we hope that you all are taking advantage of those resources that we have provided if you want encouragement or prayer this week you text our team 650-600-0402 and we'd love to hear from you um cheryl thank you so much for being here yes thank you guys you're surviving you're still here you're I'm doing st- it i'm doing it all right. standing Great. Thanks, Cheryl. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks so much for listening. And our hope is that this helps you connect deeper to Menlo Church throughout the week. We believe church doesn't just happen on Sundays. And this is just one of the ways you can connect with us and grow in your faith whenever and wherever you're listening. We'd love to come alongside you in prayer to encourage you or walk through anything that you're going through. All you have to do is text our online team at 650-600-0402. Thanks again for tuning in. This was Menlo Midweek.